this is Terry Beatley, your host of What If We've Been Wrong? I'm shining light into some dark places so that beauty, goodness, and truth defeat the schemes of the enemy. It's true, people are perishing for lack of knowledge, and we're instructed to have nothing to do with the evil deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what I do on What If We've Been Wrong? Rethink, explore, and uncover some hidden truths so that more people can experience an abundant life and the joy of being set free from the shackles that hold us in prison. Welcome to What If We've Been Wrong? My topic today is rescuing our children from all the communist, Marxist, one-world government indoctrination that's been happening. More and more American, uh, Americans and American parents are, are, are awakening to what's going on. What most people, though, don't know, this has a multiple generation, um, uh, decades and decades of history of how most particularly uh, the communists, Marxists, have targeted uh, the American education school system to use our children to morph our country into a one world government kind of thinking uh, Marxist run uh, a country. And so we, I don't know if you, you remember this, but if you remember the former MSNBC news reporter, I remember when this broke, her name was Melissa Harris Perry. And this is a quote. Uh, this is what she said on MSNBC. She said, we have to break through our private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to whole communities. And then she went on to say, everybody's responsibility and they're not just the households. That is a lie. And I say that's a lie straight from hell, straight from the mouth of people who have been themselves indoctrinated into Marxism. So if you recall when Hillary Clinton's book came out, which I never read, it was called It Takes a Village, you know, to raise a child. Well, it's, it's called It Takes a Village. I think the subtitle was, you know, to raise a child. Um, I never read that book either. Maybe I should have. But um, I disagreed with the title, disagreed with the philosophy. It does not take a community to raise a child. It takes a mom, dad, uh, to you know, a married couple to raise a child and to raise a child well. Now, my guest today is Alex Newman. He is an expert in all these fields that, I'm, that we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the indoctrination of our children into the whole thing, globalism, the UN, communism, this collective thought uh, into the whole LGBT movement. The second part, we're going to be talking about the dumbing down, the intentional manipulation of our children in government-run schools. Quit calling them public schools. They're government-run schools. And why Common Core is so bad and why it's designed to dumb down our kids. But then the good news, on the third segment, we're going to be talking about solutions and what Alex is doing. All right, so I want to introduce Alex Newman. He is a correspondent for the New American Magazine, which is a magazine produced by the John Birch Society. He's an educator and author. He also teaches economics at the Freedom Project, which is a K through 12 online um, homeschooling. He, he also teaches economics uh, at the Freedom Project, which is a K through 12 online Christian school. He's the president of uh, Liberty 
Sentinel Media and a consultant with the John Birch Society. It's quite interesting. They send him around the world learning what's happening in other schools, how kids are being indoctrinated into Marxism and globalism and one world government. Alex, welcome on to What Have We Been Wrong? So glad you're here. Well, Terry, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm just delighted to be on the program with you, so thank you. Well, I'm glad you're here. So let's just kind of jump right into it. For me, I did homeschool my children. I think it was for eight years. One of the biggest mistakes I made was stopping homeschooling and actually putting them at a Christian school that I thought I had vetted. Uh, But once we got in there, I realized that the science curriculum was no better than what I could find at a government-run school. And so uh, let's just start right here at the beginning. Talk to us about the indoctrination of children, just sort of like first in a macro kind of way. Who's doing the indoctrination? When did it start? Yeah, well, well, thank you, Terry. And you know, the indoctrination is actually not new. It just has gotten progressively more progressive as the years went by. Uh, we have an article in the special report. It's called Rescuing Our Children. And the article that I'm referring to is uh, kind of a historical overview of how we got here. So we begin the story with Horace Mann, who was essentially a socialist, a totalitarian, a unitarian. He wanted the Bible out of the schools. Um, he felt that um, you know, the Bible wasn't necessary to teach morals. And he had gone over to Prussia and he saw how the uh, Prussian dictatorship was doing things. You know, it was really an unprecedented thing in human history. The idea that the government would mandate that all parents hand over their children to the government for a thorough program of statist indoctrination. I mean, it, it would have been unthinkable to early Americans. But Horace Mann really liked the idea, so he imported it to the United States. And of course, at that time, education was still thoroughly Christian. I mean, you, you could not separate education from Christianity, education from God's Word. I mean, the Bible was the textbook, right? right. And so, when, uh, let me Mann interject his, here what, just real quick. Give our listeners, uh, what's the time frame of Ho- Horace Mann? When did, he, when, when did he start his dirty deeds here? So this was in the late 1830s, early 1840s. Uh, He was actually uh, selected to be the first education commissioner of any state. Uh, He was in in Massachusetts, and uh, Massachusetts decided they needed a a state education commissioner, so they chose Horace Mann. And uh, that's when Horace Mann really had the opportunity to try out a lot of these ideas in Massachusetts in terms of creating a compulsory model of indoctrination where it's uh, students would be segregated by age, and the force of government would compel parents to surrender their children to this. And, you know, obviously it, it didn't go from what existed before to what exists today overnight. It took many, many, many generations. Um, so Horace Mann did his best, and he introduced uh, this quackery called the whole word method. I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk about that when we get to the dumbing down angle. But he really, his, one of his big missions was to use education. Everybody should have the same education so that men would all be equal, as he put it. It was a very socialist idea. And uh, along came John Dewey about uh, 50 years later, end of the 1800s, into the early 1900s, with a bunch of money from the Rockefellers. Uh, they had the, the philanthropy called the General Education Board. They gave this guy, John Dewey, millions of dollars to try out his ideas and to basically do a hostile takeover of the school system that existed at that time that really had been founded by Horace Mann and his ideas and his cohorts. And John Dewey, I think, is really 
the starting point of the extreme indoctrination. So John Dewey was pretty open about the fact that he was a socialist, a communist, and a humanist. He, he instead of going to Prussia, he went to the Soviet Union uh, you know, uh, very shortly after it was founded, and he was very pleased with what Lenin was doing. He saw that they were using the school system to churn out little collectivists, and he loved the idea. I mean, he openly wanted to turn America into a communist society, he, uh, he pointed to the model uh, outlined by Edward Bellamy in the book um, Looking Backwards, published in 1888. It was about a future America in the year 2000 with no private property and, you know, basically a collectivist society. Mm. So John Dewey loved that model and set out to use the government education system to bring it about. Um, he was also a humanist, so he wanted to replace the Christian education that then still reigned in the schools with humanism. And, uh, you know, he, 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 again, wasn't shy about it. And I think that's what's so remarkable. He told us what he wanted to do. If you read the Humanist Manifesto that he wrote and signed, uh, he was one of the uh, 30-something signers. Yeah. They were very blunt, right? The first plank says, we believe the universe is eternally self-existing and not created. So they were directly undermining the authority of God's word. God said, in the beginning, God created. So they said, no, the universe has always been here. It was not created. That's the very foundation of their religion. And to their credit, they acknowledged it was a religion. And, of course, it didn't just go into the schools overnight. It took a long and carefully planned process to bring that about. But... Um, he, again, was very open about his goals, socialism, communism, humanism, and we republished one of his essays in, in a book I wrote with Dr. Sam Blumenfeld called Crimes of the Educators. Mm -hmm. uh, the essay was called The Primary Education Fetish, and he argued that, uh, hey, we don't need to teach these little kids about reading and writing and math. You know, we just need to socialize them so that they'll be good little collectivists. But, of course, we don't want the parents and teachers to know because then there would be a violent reaction and it would jeopardize the success of our enterprise here. So that's really where it began. And, of course, it's gotten progressively more extreme, Terry. You know, then the Department of Education came along. Of course, in the 60s, the Supreme Court banned the Bible and prayer. And uh, it's been all downhill since then. Right. And now it's at the point where... We are graduating by the millions, illiterate, socialist, globalist, humanists, and now the United Nations is deeply involved in the indoctrination program, and this is provable. There's no speculation. There's no theories. You can read the UN's own documents. You can read our Secretary of Education under Obama, Arnie Duncan, bragging about how he was working with the United Nations to infuse their ideologies through every element of the curriculum from kindergarten through college, um, and that's where we are today, Terry. Oh, I, oh, I, you know, I'm generally familiar with this. I'm, I'm almost feeling sorry for the people who are listening who had no clue. <laughs> but I want you to keep listening because you need to know history in order for us to fix this problem going forward. We literally need millions upon millions upon millions of American adults to understand what Alex is going to be covering today. So hang in there with us as we're going over this. Okay, so let's go back. Talk to me about the, some of the manipulation. Give us some examples of how the kids are being manipulated, you know, specifically. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think there's several elements to this. Uh, one of the key elements is that they now have about 100 years worth of psychological research in how to fundamentally transform the minds, the views, the behavior of children. Um, you know, they actually incorporated even a lot of Pavlov's research, you know, with his dogs and how to 
psychologically conditioned children. And you have a lot of this going on. And so I'll give you one example that I think is really representative of what's going on in the schools. They have something they call values clarification. And this is promoted by the United Nations. They want it in every school all over the world. And they'll do things like, you know, I think the easiest way to explain it is with an example. So they'll tell the kids, um, hey, you guys are in a life raft, and uh, in this life raft you have nine people, but the life raft can only support eight people. So you have a doctor and a teacher and a lawyer and an Indian chief and, uh, you know, a, a useless person. And uh, so what do you do now, right? One of you is going to have to be sacrificed for the greater good. So what do you do now uh, to ensure that all eight of you can survive uh, by sacrificing one person? And so that immediately puts the kids in a certain state of mind. They're thinking, wait a minute, my parents taught me that it was wrong to kill. My church taught me that it was wrong to kill. And yet here, clearly, the only ethical choice is to kill someone, otherwise we all die. And this has a profound effect on children. That's why you have some of these um, people behind all this. They brag that they can undo everything that a parent has done over 15 years. They can undo it in an hour. And they can, because they use tools like this. And what reaction, I mean, what response would a kid have to this? Well, we just have to kill the most useless person or the person who's lived the long, you know, they're thinking in terms of who do we kill? Right. And God told us, thou shalt not kill. Right. And our churches told us that and our parents told us that. So now suddenly the kid is thinking, my parents were wrong. The Bible was wrong. God was wrong. Oh my goodness. We now have to kill someone. And they, it never occurs to them because it's never presented as a possibility. Why don't we just have somebody swim alongside the life raft and we'll just take turns doing that so we can mm-hmm. all live, right? They don't think outside the box, but it destroys their sense of morality, their belief in objective moral principles, all the things that their parents are trying to inculcate in them. And I think that's one example of some of the things that go on. Um, and, you know, in terms of the uh, the indoctrination into globalism, I mean, they just use all these exercises, all this indoctrination. You, of course, you have fake history, fake science, and each right. of these plays its own part, like the fake science. You know, they teach the kids that uh, science proves that there is no God. You know, now we have this uh, fact called evolution that you came from slime that turned into a monkey that somehow became a human. And that's you. So life has no objective value. Right. You definitely were not created in the image of God. And when you're taught that this is, and I know from experience, right, I believed this ridiculous lie until I spent some time looking into it. I actually laughed at the first person who told me it wasn't true because I had been so thoroughly immersed in this crazy pseudoscience. But it gives you a completely different worldview, right? You think that everything is just some cosmic coincidence, life has no meaning, your life is no more valuable than the life of your pet cat or even your goldfish, right? Mm -hmm. You're just a randomly arranged thing of cells, a kind of like a chemical robot. And um, you think very differently about the world and about life when right. you think that way. And and it undermines the beginning of God's word. So right off the bat, they're trying to undermine the authority of scripture and what God has to say. Now, the, then you have the fake history, Terry. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, well, well, and before we get into history, I, I want to cover one thing. The old Satan deluder act the Old Satan Deluder Act. As a former homeschooler, that's when I was introduced to the Old Satan Deluder Act. Tell, tell our listeners, what was that? Because it partly answers why these globalists, these why they have to strip God out of the formula. So what was the Old Satan Deluder Act? You know, we, we actually talk about this in the special report. I think it's such an interesting part of American history that has been all but lost to mainstream history. Right? They'll never teach the kids in the schools about this. You can mm-hmm. be certain of that. But the very first education law that we had in North America 
was the old deluder Satan Act. This was passed in the 1640s before America was its own nation. This was in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Mm-hmm. And the Christian communities that had settled there decided, uh, hey, we need to make sure everybody knows the Bible. And so they passed this law saying that uh, you know every town of a certain size had the responsibility to ensure that all the children knew how to read. And if that meant you know hiring uh, somebody to teach the children to read, then they should do that. And the reason was very clear. They spelled it out in the law. They said um, that old deluder Satan is always looking to deceive people. And if the people don't know God's word, if the people are not very familiar with Scripture, then that old deluder Satan will be able to deceive them. And so that's why they said, yeah, I mean, this is really the origin of schools in America. It, the purpose was to make sure the kids could read God's word so that they would not be deceived by Satan. Isn't Today, God's word is completely banned from right. our schools. So, so in it's, 200 it's a years. 180 degree turn. <laughs> the old deluder Satan. Act. Okay. Yep. And uh, so it's almost 200 years from that act to Horace Mann when he begins his That's right. attack on, on education. Okay, so, so, it's, so the kids would know how to read the Bible and so that they would know if the king, you know, the king was lying to them or what have you, so that the populace would not be deluded. And look where we're at now where our children are growing up thinking it's okay to kill children. Homosexuality and any type of sexual deviancy is, hey, A-OK. Um, you know, one world government, what, you know, the list goes on and on and on. You know, what's good is bad and bad is good. Okay, so we're going to be coming right back. We're going to delve a little bit more into some of the specifics of, uh, you know, like history and what have you. But we're also going to be getting into um, the... Well, well, the intentional, the intentional dumbing down. What has Common Core done and really what's its end goal? And what are some of the experts saying about it? So we will be right back with Alex Newman. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. All right, we're back with Alex Newman, and we're talking about the dumbing down of our children in government-run schools, and it is the goal. This is not by accident. This has been planned out, and we're you know, beginning back in 1830s with Horace Mann. So, Alex, where we dropped off, we were beginning to talk, I think first it was about history, how they're rewriting history. Can you just kind of shed some light into what they're doing here? Sure. It's a very strategic effort um, to strip Americans of their heritage. And the Marxists have always understood this. You know, if you want to control the future, you have to control the past. And so there is now a very deliberate effort to completely undermine the truth about American history. So the kids learn essentially nothing about the founding fathers except dead white guys who owned slaves. And the reality is the narrative is almost completely backwards, right? Slavery has been with humanity 
from the dawn of human existence. Uh, virtually every culture has engaged and practiced in slavery all over the world, right? doesn't matter if you're in Africa, in the Middle right. East, in Asia, the, the Greco-Roman world. Slavery was ubiquitous. The first civilization to put an end to that, not just for themselves, but for everybody, was the Anglo-Saxon civilization, the British and American society. And so the founding fathers of the United States laid the foundation to end slavery, not just in America, but around the world. And of course, it began in Britain, but it also was happening in the United States with increasingly progressive restrictions. You can't import more slaves. You can't spread slavery into the new territories and on and on. And eventually it culminated with the abolition of slavery. So these poor kids are being taught. And one of the guys who co-wrote this um this special report with us, Dr. Duke Pesta. He's also a university professor, and he gives his students a survey when they come into his university classroom. He teaches at the University of Wisconsin, and uh, he asks them about slavery. He says more than half of his new students believe that America invented slavery. Oh, So no. that's how backwards oh, it has dear. gotten, right? They, they teach the kids that the founding fathers were evil, <sighs> exploiters, racist, sexist, you know, all these bad, nasty things that they can think of, mm. and that all these uh, oppressed communities uh, had to come together to kind of overturn that, and now we're on the cusp of overthrowing it completely. And wow. the, again, the narrative is almost exactly backwards, right? The How founders created a, a self-governing Christian republic where they declared that it was a self-evident truth that all men were created equal, thereby laying the foundation to abolish slavery. They declared that the government exists to protect our rights. They created a, a Christian civilization that was the marvel of the world, a unique experiment in human liberty and self-governance. And the poor kids today have no understanding of that at all. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a tragedy. They, they're being taught that all civilizations are equal, that, you know, I mean, they're taught to glorify, you know, Aztec civilizations where they were doing human sacrifices to their demon gods on top of pyramids, yep. while all the while putting down what our founding fathers built. And the purpose is very clear, Terry. It's to overthrow our system of government and move us into a one world globalist system. And, um, you know, I, I know we'll talk about that, but this is all interrelated and it's all very strategic. You know, they don't indoctrinate people with these things just because it just occurred somebody to one day. There's a deliberate agenda behind each of these elements. Oh, yeah. They have an end goal. <laughs> end goal. Exactly. You know, when I read this first article that you wrote for the New American magazine, I, I thought I was going to cry when it said, in it, because you're talking about among the tools prepared by the UN for teaching children is a UN book called Rescue Mission Planet Earth, a children's edition of Agenda 21. In it, young children are bombarded with sustainable propaganda. One page includes an image of storks carrying around babies and a pagan, quote, God appearing troubled and bewildered, quote, the planet groans Every time it registers another birth, reads the book, suggesting that babies are somehow bad for the planet and that the gods are upset about people being fruitful and multiplying. This spits in the face of God. It does. And, and, and that's the common thread that runs through all of this, Terry. It is a total repudiation of everything God has said, everything God has ordained. So God tells us to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue the earth. The United Nations, through this ideology of sustainable development, they tell us, do not be fruitful. Children are bad for the climate. Children are bad for the environment. Plus, you can have more fun and do more fun stuff for yourself if you don't have children. They tell you, you know, don't multiply. Definitely don't subdue the earth. You know, don't you dare build something. You might hurt a lizard for crying out loud. You know, forget right. about it. 
And this is a total repudiation of what God has taught us, and this is being taught to children. So for people who don't know, this book that you just mentioned, Terry, I have a copy of it. It was produced by UNESCO, but it is about incorporating and advancing a UN program called Agenda 21. This was signed by George H.W. Bush, the self-proclaimed architect of a new world order in which, quote, a credible United Nations will use its peacekeeping, a.k.a. military forces, to bring about the vision of the UN's founders, who of course were Joseph Stalin, one of the worst mass murderers in human history, and his American agent, Alger Hiss, who became the first Secretary General of the UN before we threw him in prison for being a spy for Stalin. Uh, Why we would repudiate the vision of our founders for this vision is beyond me. But Agenda 21, this this was agreed to in 1992 in Rio de Janeiro. My colleague, uh, William Jasper, was at that meeting. And you can read this document yourself. It's huge, but it's posted on the UN's website. Chapter 36 deals exclusively with education, and they point out that none of this agenda will be po- – and it is essentially an agenda, an anti-God agenda for total global totalitarianism, right? right. They want to centrally plan the economy. They want to destroy Christian civilization. They want to gather all power for themselves at the global level, and it's all being justified by this ideology of sustainable development. And they make quite clear in their document, chapter 36, that education is the central component. If you don't brainwash the kids, you won't be able to bring it about. So they talk about this needs to be infused into every element of the curriculum in every school all over the world. Mm. Of course, our government was only more than happy to comply. And um, that's where we're at today. This is now being taught to every child on the planet. And as they say in Agenda 2030, Terry, which is the more recent document that they adopted, uh, this was signed in 2015 by Obama and all the other world leaders with the blessing from the Pope. They said that uh, in, in goal number four, they have 16 sustainable development goals, or 17 sustainable development goals, and number four deals completely with education. They say children are critical agents of change, and every child on the planet uh, needs to be educated in sustainable development to the point that they'll go out and promote sustainable development is what the text of the agreement says. So it's not enough just for them to submit or you know passively accept this totalitarian ideology called sustainable development. They have to be so brainwashed, they'll go out and promote it. They also need uh, quote-unquote education in global citizenship, uh, gender equality, which is really code language for radical feminism, uh, you know, uh, global citizenship, appreciation for diversity, which really is the destruction of diversity, the end of nation states as we've known them. Of course, God ordained nation states, so it's no surprise that they would wage war on exactly. what God has ordained. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's crazy, Terry. And well, this is now in our schools all over America and all over the world. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the sustainable development goals. It's a little uh, like a meme, a little diagram that's part of your article. So it says, number one, no poverty. Well, God says the poor will always be among us. So as <laughs> Christians, right. you know, we're called to help the poor. So to me, when I look at that, and you shed light on this first thing I think, think of is, of course, all this income redistribution so they steal from people who are hard working to give to the poor so that's not charity that's called um you know compulsory um stealing you know out of our own paychecks what else falls under this no poverty can you share anything there yeah, well, I encourage everybody to read Agenda 2030 for themselves. Unlike Agenda 21, which was just hundreds and hundreds of pages, Agenda 2030 is actually a pretty short read. Okay. Um, and 
as you read it, it'll become very clear to you what's happening. For example, in goal number 10, they talk about um, income inequality, and we need uh, not just national wealth redistribution anymore. Now we need international wealth redistribution. Oh they talk gosh. about the need to own the wealth collectively, that we all need to share the wealth. Uh, this is the exact same rhetoric that you see out of Castro, out of Hugo Chavez, out of Robert Mugabe, out of Mao and Stalin. I mean, this is the exact same rhetoric. Well, actually, and yeah, after I've they never... Well, let ahead, me just sir. let me just toss this in. It's like, wait, how would they get that done? How would they get that done? And I'm realizing it's going to happen on your tax return. Suddenly, there's going to be like a UN international um, charity uh, contribution line. You know, where suddenly you're paying fifteen hundred dollars, or two thousand, or ten thousand, or fifty, whatever it's going to be, to go into this pot for income international redistribution. I mean, I'm picturing it like at the minimum working something like that. But anyway, let, let's keep. It's, it's keep... already happening, Terry. It's already happening. Oh, it's already uh, they, happening. They created the oh. they, they created the Green Climate Slush Fund uh, during the Obama years, and Obama was putting billions of dollars in there in flagrant violation of U.S. law. And this is basically a giant pot of money to redistribute from American taxpayers and taxpayers of freer Western countries where free markets allowed them to prosper, mm. redistribute to the United Nations and to the third world dictatorships that have kept their people in poverty. And after the the uh, agenda 2030 was signed the communist chinese government went around telling everybody using all of their propaganda organs you know their their communist party newspapers and everything that the chinese communist party had played a crucial role in developing agenda 2030 oh and actually God. i went to the un conference on sustainable development in rio de janeiro in 2012 mm -hmm. and the chairman of this conference was an actual chinese communist his name was sha zakung he had given an award to the general responsible for slaughtering all those children at tiananmen square oh. and that's what we're dealing with today it is a totalitarian wow. ideology masquerading as environmentalism. Wow. All right, now let's swing this back to what's happening inside those schools, the dumbing down. Talk to us about the core curriculum, and then I really want to know some specific examples. Blow the mind of somebody listening right now on how incredibly stupid the, the, the core curriculum is. Give us maybe an example in math or, or something that somebody can really, it's something like tangible. They can they like they'll quickly yeah, well, understand. At, at the most basic level, Terry, and, and this is just it, it blows people's mind. It blew my mind when I first learned about this. So back, you know, let's go back to Horace Mann uh, mm -hmm. when he set up all these government schools in Boston. He tried out this idea called the whole word method, this, the look-say method. They call it the sight word method now uh, of teaching reading. And this was a method originally developed by a reverend for deaf children. It was brilliant for deaf children because deaf children can't sound out words because they can't hear letters. Mm -hmm. And so they, they couldn't actually read phonetically. And so he had them memorize entire words as if the word itself was a symbol. Now for deaf children, that was a big step forward because it allowed them to read something. Horace Mann thought, hey, I like that idea. Let's try it in the public schools in Boston. Well, it turned out to be an absolute and total catastrophe. And so the, all the schoolmasters in Boston got together and they wrote a brilliant essay. It's just as relevant today as it was the day it was written, saying Mr. Mann's idea is a total failure. It, it makes no sense and we're not going to do it anymore. We're just going to go back to teaching rating the way it's been taught for thousands of years because we have a phonetic alphabet. Mm -hmm. You know, in China, that's how they do, right? For them, a symbol represents a word, an idea, a concept. But it doesn't work that way in our language. We have mm -hmm. a phonetic writing system where each letter represents one or more sounds. So Horace Mann tried this. It was a total, utter failure. And then 
John Dewey came on the scene and he said, hey, that's perfect for my plan. Let's try it again. And he did. And they took over the teaching colleges and they produced a bunch of textbooks on reading primers on teaching reading this way. And it caused a massive illiteracy crisis in the United States. Hmm. Uh, this was first exposed by Rudolf Flesch in 1955. He said the teaching of reading in the United States in every school in this country is totally wrong and it flies in the face of all logic. So this became a big uproar. People said, oh, my goodness, that's crazy. We shouldn't do that anymore. And a lot of schools had to back off because it was mass producing illiterates. Well, welcome to Common Core, where children in kindergarten are ordered to memorize sight words. And this, just as we would expect, is producing an illiteracy crisis mm -hmm. on a massive, massive scale. If you look at the reading data today, you have, I think we mentioned earlier, Washington, D.C., more than two-thirds of the adult population is classified as functionally illiterate by the government. Oh, uh, my If you go gosh. to California. Oh, Yep. And, and th these are people who have high school diplomas. They gave them high school diplomas, and they can't even read their high school diplomas. Oh, this Lord. is utterly nuts. And mm -hmm. this is across the country. Terry, if you look at the government's own data, what you'll find is that tens of millions of Americans are illiterate. Tens of millions more are so close to illiterate that they'll never read anything. Never, never, never. And so they won't read books. They won't read God's word. They won't read their constitution. They won't read anything. They'll sit there and watch CNN or Fox News. And oh. of course, this is exactly what they want. Right. And now the fact that this is mandated under Common Core, even though we have over a century of hard evidence proving that this quackery causes illiteracy tells you everything you need to know about the real agenda. Right. And then to switch gears into math real quick, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I serve on the board, uh, on a board, with the only two subject matter experts who were on the Common Core Validation Committee. The English language expert, Sandra Stotsky, said, I'm not going to sign off on these standards. It's going to reduce the critical thinking ability of children. We're taking away all the great literature. We're replacing it with nonsense. There's no way I'm signing off on this. Mm -hmm. On the math side, uh, Dr. James Milgram, a uh, Stanford mathematician, the only math expert on this validation committee, said, I am not signing off on this. He said that it's confusing. It makes no sense. And get this. Some of the standards are based on incorrect math. So we now have a national set of education standards called the Common Core, which was developed and, and is working in conjunction with everything that the UNESCO is doing, in which every child in every government school in America, with a handful of exceptions, you know, but even in the states that didn't approve it, it's still coming in the back door, learning math based on standards, some of which are based on incorrect math. It would blow your mind how ridiculous this is. And yet it's happening in every government school in the country. And nobody can tell me that that's an accident. This wow. is 100 percent deliberate. All right. So we're going to transition, pardon the pun, over to what the public schools are doing. They are tr they are trying to transition our children into gender confusion. First off, why do you think they're trying to do that? And they're successfully doing it, by the way. But what, why do why do you think they're going to do it? Why, why do you, what's the reason behind it? Why is this so important to them? Yeah, well, I think there's several overlapping agendas here. The first and most obvious one is, again, God has ordained marriage between a man and a woman. God has created them male and female, as he tells us in his word. And so and God has called homosexuality, homosexual acts an abomination. And so what do we expect to see from the enemy? We expect to see an attack and assault on all the things that God has ordained. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. Right. Um, not just the normalization of these things, but the encouragement of these things. And um, 
it undermines what God has said. It undermines the order that he has created, the laws that he has ordained for us for our benefit. And it undermines the nuclear family, right? The nuclear family with a mom and a dad and kids is the foundation, is the building right. block of our civilization, That's right? It. Mom and dad raise and protect the children, transmit the values onto the next generation, nurture the children, protect them. We have no need for big government in our families, right? Why, our families take care of themselves. We don't exactly. need big government to yep. be our God and our provider and our nurturer. But when you break that down, suddenly everything changes. Right. And I think what you're seeing here is a strategic assault on the family, a strategic assault on truth, and a strategic assault on God's word. And again, as you mentioned, it's been incredibly effective, Terry. Uh, there's a study out of the UCLA in California. They found, uh, and this was, uh, I think, a year ago, more than 27% of California's children now, mm -hmm. ages 12 to 17, identify as gender non-conforming. As in, if it's a boy, they don't think of themselves as a boy. If it's a girl, they don't think of themselves as a girl. Um, at the national level, uh, we now have data showing that just in the last few years, the number of self-identifying, quote-unquote, LGBT children has gone from 11% of the child population to 15%, and it is skyrocketing upwards. When I was a kid, so it, was just, it didn't exist. Right? We right. didn't have any of this in right. when I was growing up, right. and now it's everywhere. So they're very effective at this. And then, of course, we've got, I did a show on this, you know, the drag queens coming into the public library, the government-run library, and, and you know, down on the small community levels. And, and, and I forget what the guy's name was, but he admitted, you know, one of these drag queens, he admitted that it was to indoctrinate children at a nice, early, tender age into gender confusion. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. And, 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 and there, it's not just the libraries, Terry. They're going into the schools now. They're going into yeah. elementary schools and kindergartens right. all over the country. They're being invited in That's by right. teachers, by administrators. Uh, we actually used a picture because a picture says a thousand words. There was a guy dressed up in a dress wearing demon horns reading stories to the children about homosexual worms getting married or whatever. Um, you know, what kind of organization, institution, or parent allows their children to be subjected to this kind exactly. of thing? Exactly. It's utterly insane. Absolutely. And then you have, you know, we have we reported on a school in Minnesota. They, they took a child and took him for a uh, quote-unquote sex change surgery without the parent's permission. In fact, against <gasps> the parent's explicitly stated will. Oh. Um, yeah, oh. they removed the boy's genitals, put him on uh, hardcore drugs, and you know now there's a lawsuit. But hey, the kid's genitals are not coming back, oh right? It's too late God. for that. What can parents do? What can taxpayers do? We'll be right back. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958.
All right, we're back with Alex Newman, and uh, dur- during the break, I was actually sharing with Alex that I-, I feel such dismay. It's like, what the heck are parents supposed to be doing? You know, so here's my clarion call. You stay on the line. You finish listening to this uh, interview. Alex, what do parents need to do? Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about this, Terry. And I think this is probably the most important segment because, you know, we all know it's bad. Now you know it's really, really bad. But, you know, just telling you that it's bad is not news to you and it doesn't actually solve the problem. What we need to do is solve the problem. And so at this most fundamental level, I think every parent out there must remove their children from government school. And I know a lot of parents who just heard me say that are thinking, oh, but, you know, we need two incomes. Oh, but, you know, what are we going to do? You know, how how can we possibly afford that? You know what? If your children are not your top priority, you need to reexamine your priorities. If you're driving a, a, a nice new car or you're going on a nice vacation every year, you need to think, where can I cut back expenses to save my children? Because right. if, if, if the school building was on fire, you would obviously not send your children into the building. You don't want them to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Well, the school buildings are figuratively on fire, and it's even more dangerous than a physical fire because a physical fire will just hurt them physically. What's happening in these government schools now will will definitely hurt them physically. I mean, even just this quack reading methodology they use causes malformations and neural connections in the brain. We can see this right. now on brain scans, uh, not to mention, you know, the transgender stuff and the puberty blockers and the abortions. And, you know, don't even get me started on the physical side of this, but the mental and the spiritual and the emotional toll that these government institutions are inflicting on children is incalculable. We're right. losing an entire generation of our children. And so you need to think of the schools as if they were on fire and you need to get your children as far from this place as you possibly can. And that'll look different for everybody. You know, there, there's no silver bullet. There's no one size fits all solution. Uh, for some parents, homeschooling, I, I would say homeschooling is the preferred solution because uh, it's just amazing, right? You can control the curriculum. It'll, it'll build a stronger family for you. It's cost effective. It's, you can pass your values along to your children. You can give them a stellar education for a fraction of the cost with right. a fraction of the time. Yep. They'll, I mean, even on the government's own test, they beat the pants off the poor victims of government schools. It's no right. comparison. Um, and so that's, in my opinion, the best solution. And everybody's homeschool is going to look different, right? Some parents will join a couple of co-ops. Some parents might s- sign up for some online support. Some parents might pick a, a one curriculum over another curriculum. Some parents might, you know, join with other parents and, and do something together. So there's no two homeschools that are alike, but it's really, in my view, the best option. Right. Okay. There are also other options out there. Um, you know, I, I think there are, you mentioned earlier, Terry, that uh, you regretted putting your children in the Christian school that you put them in. And I think it's a, it's a really important warning for parents to realize a lot of the, the so-called Christian schools today have become basically little clones of the government school system. Well, and that I mean, is the, very the similar. There. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to condemn it, but so hard. But I mean, there are certain pockets. It's like they're not teaching history now, I brought them a lot of content. It was pretty cool because in the sixth grade, they actually developed, um, they, they took in a lot of the, like David Barton's material. Um, it was almost nice. as if they didn't even know it was out there. So, you know, here I was with, you know, library full shelves of all sorts of great content. Why would they be teaching this secular type kind of, um, you know, American history? And then to me, what really blew my mind was the sixth and seventh grade level science book. 
I mean, I can get the same thing at a public school. And so, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to pick on that particular school, but like you said, it's representative of many different, quote, Christian schools, never mind the garbage that the kids are bringing into the school. But anyway, not, not everybody, I know not everybody can homeschool, but a lot of people out there can if they change their priorities. And a lot of people, um, you know, I, I think Alex too, a lot of people think, oh, well, I could never homeschool. Yes, you can. Uh, well, the data shows that uh, even parents without a high school diploma, their children were, will perform at about the same level as parents who have master's degrees. That's and it's right. going to be way above what the victims of government school are capable of doing. So it's you don't have to be an expert on things to homeschool your children. That's right. That's right. Okay. So, uh, okay, homeschooling, co-ops. Uh, Christian schools. Well, let's swing back to Christian schools. If somebody's like, you know what, I am. I'm, I'm so sick of the school, my the public school, government school, my kids in. But maybe they can't. They're not thinking about homeschooling, and they are going to consider a local Christian school. Walk them through some of the things they ought to be looking for and or looking at. In your opinion? Yeah. Well, I, I think first of all, you need to look at. Yeah, I think first of all, parents need to look at what the children are being taught. You know, what curriculum are they using? What and at the most basic level, what reading program are they using? A lot of the Christian schools do teach systematic intensive phonics, and that's what they should be doing. But more and more, federal money is now trickling down to the private schools in exchange for federal control. Um, I, I know several people mm. who work in Christian schools who say, "Hey, you know, we were using the A. Becker reading program, which is fantastic, mm -hmm. and now that federal money is flowing in through our local school district, they're throwing out our old." reading program and bringing in this common core sight word nonsense and that's exactly what you get in the public schools wow. so you have to be very very careful in terms of what school you place your kids in and um, you need to do your due diligence you know I, I went to and simply the cost is not really a good barometer I went no. to some of the most elite private schools in the world right um, in Mexico and Brazil and Switzerland I mean these are like the cream of the crop this is where you know billionaires and, and diplomats and, right. and heads of state send their children and I got a good education, but it was thoroughly, it, you know, it, it enabled me to get my own education, I should say, but it was thoroughly infused with globalism and secularism and Same. evolutionism and anti-Christian dogma. Right. And that's what you're going to find. In a and then here's the other thing. It's all the trinkets that the, that the school then gives. So imagine right now, Americans whose boys are involved in high school football and baseball those are the sugary lollipops that, that I think keep so many people in, locked in, trapped in the government-run school. Are, are you with me? Are you tracking with me? All these extra Absolutely. things? Yeah. I, I couldn't like, agree with you more, Terry. And the thing is that all those options are available to homeschoolers, too. I mean, we have our kids in soccer programs, basketball programs, you know, everything you can think of, our kids are involved in, and we just don't use the government. <laughs> it's that right. simple. There, there's plenty of options. Out there. You can go to the YMCA and get involved in a basketball team or a soccer team or a swim team or whatever you want to do. Right. Um, you know, there's just endless options. And so I would say that's the first and most important thing. You know, you, you kind of like on the airplane, you know, when the oxygen, when the pressure drops and the right. oxygen goes out, they say, first, you take care of your own children, you know, and protect yourself and then look around and see if anybody else needs help. So that's what we need to be doing as parents. First of all, make sure your kids are safe from this. Pull them out of the system and find something else to do. A lot of options out there. Freedom Project Academy, where I teach, is another option for parents who maybe want to, you know, like a supplement to what they're doing. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a very good alternative. It's accredited. Give the and website. A lot of online schools out there like 
Okay, give the website uh, the, of the, the one. The website for the school. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's uh, fpeusa.org. And, um, you know, and it's not to say that that's the only option. There's a lot of sure. online schools out there now for parents who want to get involved with stuff like that. Um, and there are a lot of good options. But beyond that, you know, once we've protected our own kids, we have to realize that, hey, they still have 87% of the other kids. So we have to do something about that. Right. And I would argue, what well, we do argue at the end of the special report, I hope everybody will get themselves first one copy and read it and then order yourself 100 or 1,000 and get them to everybody you know, your pastor, your neighbor, your, yeah. your children, everybody. Um, but once you have protected your own kids, we need to get involved in the broader struggle. And so what we argued in the conclusion of our special report is that we now need a Dunkirk operation. You know, for those who went to government school, maybe don't remember World War II history so well. Uh, Dunkirk, you had the British Army trapped on the beaches of Dunkirk, totally surrounded by National Socialist forces, by Hitler's Nazi forces, on the verge of being completely annihilated. The entire British Army was on the verge of being annihilated. And what did the British do? And that's the situation that we're in right now. Our right. children are on the verge of being completely destroyed, and with them, our, the future of our nation and our freedom is gone. So what they did, what the British did, they had a whole of society mobilization. You know, everybody with a fishing boat, a pleasure boat, a yacht, a sailboat, a commercial mm -hmm. vessel, a shipping boat, got on that boat, drove, you know, went across the English Channel to rescue as many of those boys as they could, brought them back to the British Isles so that they could live to fight another day. We need that now. Every grandparent out there, you're thinking, well, you know, I don't have kids anymore. I, I already homeschooled mine or I already put mine through a good school. I don't have to worry about this. Yes, you do. Right Now your kids are having kids right. and maybe they can't handle it on their own. Maybe they need help from their grandparents. Maybe they need financial support. Maybe they need somebody to watch the kids. Right. Uh, everybody can do something, whether that is, you know, donating to organizations that help with these things, getting the word out, helping your own kids. Everybody's got to get involved here. All right, Alex, talk to us about the tens of thousands of churches that are sitting vacant every week that were, where they could actually have a school inside the building. You know, it wouldn't be that hard. Um, are you finding more and more pastors are interested in even just talking with you about that? I'm so glad you mentioned that, Terry. And uh, this is a critical part of what needs to be happening. I think, first of all, pastors need to recognize that we are in a crisis. You know, the, the data shows that something like 80% of Christian children from Christian parents raised in a Christian home who go through 12 years of government indoctrination are going to leave the church. That's your future members of your congregation. So a lot of pastors out there are just terrified. You know, oh, we have a couple of public school teachers in our congregation, and they might be offended if we speak out. First of all, they won't be offended. I know a lot of public school teachers, they all homeschool their kids. The only reason they're still involved in the system is because they think they might have opportunities to try to rescue some of these poor children. So mm -hmm. they know and they expect you to be speaking out about this. You know, it, it, you as a pastor cannot remain silent anymore. God has a lot to say about education. And never does he suggest that you ought to hand your children over to Caesar to be indoctrinated into LGBT dogma and pseudoscience and evolutionism and, you know, all this kind of craziness. That is completely unacceptable uh, based on a biblical standard. And pastors need to have courage. Yet one or two, maybe 10, maybe 20 people in your congregation might be offended by that. But the truth is offensive, right? That's God right. told us people would be offended when right. we told the truth. People were offended by what Jesus had to say. Right. And Jesus didn't say, oh, well, you know, I'm sorry, I, don't, I, I didn't mean to offend. You. you know, let me take that back and let me walk that back. No, right? We need to learn from God's word. And God's word says a lot about education. 
And um, it's very, very clear. There's actually a great book out there by Israel Wayne. He's one of the people who worked on this uh, special report with us. It's called, What Does God Have to Say About Education? Turns out he has a lot to say about education, and it's primarily the responsibility of parents with the assistance of churches. So Mm -hmm. the first thing is pastors need to warn their congregations about what's happening. Your congregation looks to you as their shepherd, you know, as their pastor. You need to be warning them and protecting them from what's happening. Well, Alex, I— well, let, let me interject here. I know you've heard this before. Well, we think, you know, what would happen if we took our little children of the light out of the school setting? Then it's all going to be darkness. Can you please refute yeah. that? Because that's the biggest bunch of hogwash I've ever heard. Can you it please is. refute it, that? It, it's a terrible excuse. It, it's a terrible excuse. It's a cop-out for people who don't want to do what is required of them. Uh, you know, we would never send our children into a physical war, right? If, if a country invaded us, which one of us would say, well, we're going to ch- send our six-year-old, right? We're not going to train them, right? We're, we're not going to teach them how to, how to do what they need to do. We're just going to send them off to war. Right. It would be absolutely ludicrous. And yet we're in a spiritual battle right here. Um, our children are not prepared to engage in this spiritual battle yet. They're children. They need you to teach them and to educate them. They need to be in God's word. They need the maturity. Our children are not ready to go out and do spiritual warfare with the forces of darkness, right? Read Ephesians 6.12. We are in a spiritual battle. We're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Our children are not ready for that. It would be just as irresponsible to give them a rifle and say, you know, go defend the country. It's it's ridiculous. Nobody should think that that's a reasonable excuse. Right. And, um, to go back to what you said, Terry, about the churches, right. you know that is so crucial. Every pastor needs to be at work providing options for their congregations to give the children in their congregations a God-centered, godly education. Right. Uh, Freedom Project Academy, which I work with, actually does have a partnership with churches. We partner with a lot of churches around the country. As you oh. mentioned, they're empty you know, five, six days a week, and uh, you just turn them into schools. We'll provide the teachers. We'll provide the software, the content, everything you need. All you got to do is provide the space and somebody to watch the kids so they don't do anything good while they're supposed to be learning and okay. um, it's very cost effective and an even better alternative is setting up a Christian school at your church or maybe getting together with five or six other churches in your community and setting up a Christian school right everybody th- th- it goes back to what I said about the Dunkirk operation we need everybody involved and pastors rabbis elders at the churches you guys are the most important people so we ask people to please get copies of the special report give them to your pastor give them to the elders of your church all right let's talk Talk about this report because this was just handed to me the other day and I first received it uh, through Facebook Messenger through our mutual friend. So number one, is this free in print? Is this free? To, to Unfortunately the, not. Oh, um, it's not. Okay. It, so it how costs, much is it and no, where do they not. get it? Yeah, we, we try to sell it as close to cost as possible. Okay. Uh, and so if you order one copy, um, our, it costs three ninety five is the cover price. And right now we can waive the shipping and handling. Uh, okay. We're subsidizing that. You know, Our donors are subsidizing that. So we okay. can send it to you for free if you pay the three ninety five to get one copy. You can get it in PDF for basically nothing. So you can just download it. Um, you can read all the articles online for free. So we have all the articles online posted. They're just not together in a package that you can give to your pastor, which is or, or your neighbor or you know your city okay. councilman or whatever the case may be. And what we hope people will do, and people are doing this now in huge numbers, once you read a copy, you know, use the use the promo code Educate19. We'll send you one for the cover price of the magazine. You can read through it. And if you agree that this is the most critical issue facing our nation right now, order 
50, order 100. We have a bunch of people who've now ordered 1,000. Right. And get these distributed in your community. Get you know get together with your local tea party group or your local Bible right. study group or Absolutely. your church committee, yeah. whatever it is, and order a bunch and get them into the hands of opinion molders and parents so that we can wake people up to the crisis that we're facing. A lot of people know it's bad, but they don't know how bad it is, Terry. They don't know how bad it is. They don't because they would they would there would be a mass exodus, Alex, if, if if at least Christian parents, if nothing else, they would figure out a way. You know, if nothing else, you know, I don't know, pull the kids out and, and somebody be the teacher, even when maybe some of the other sets of parents are working full time. We have to get yep. our kids out of the government run school. Okay, there will be a link to the New American Magazine on um, this page uh, connected to what will become a podcast. And so, you know, go to uh, America Out Loud, go to What If We've Been Wrong and look for this interview. And, and you can download that. And then, of course, what were you saying, though, about Educate 19, a code? What was that about? Yeah, we, we have a promo code. So if you go to uh, the web page, actually, if you go to thenewamerican.com, we have banner ads there right underneath the main article rotator. You can click on that. It says Rescuing Our Children, yeah. special report. It's got a picture of a little kid. Yeah. Click on it. And that that's where you order it from. Okay. Um, and there it'll ask you if you have a promo code. If you put in the code EDUCATE19, okay. we'll waive the shipping. We'll, we'll basically I pay see. the shipping and handling to get you a copy. Got it. Okay. All right, we've got to wrap it up. Um, I'll probably interview you again if you're open to it. I'm going to make sure I've read oh, all absolutely. the articles. You only, only had time to read two of the articles. Um, thank you. God bless you. And I pray that you get all the funding you need and that we together, collectively, <laughs> we'll use that word, we can create a mass exodus out of the government-run school system so we can then uh, basically implode the Department of Education, God willing. Thank you, Alex. Amen.